Welcome to Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Robbie Straczynski. Thanks so much for joining us on episode number 71 of Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town. Today's guest has over $2.7 million in live tournament earnings in his career to go along with three World Series of Poker bracelets and four WSOP circuit rings. Before he transitioned to live poker, he started out as an online crusher as he's a former Supernova elite player. But what about the man behind that magnificent beard? What makes him tick away from the felt? <laughs> On today's show, we get to know Ryan Lang a little bit better. Ryan, welcome to the Cards Jet Podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Good, good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. So Cool. And thank you for joining us. It's uh, a little after midnight Las Vegas time, so we appreciate uh, the late night session. It's fun. Yeah. So it's it's like, it's still like afternoon for me, so. I know the feeling. Usually when I record, it's like, you know, my midnight here in Israel. So it's, uh, I get yeah. it. Um, so for starters, I have to admit, full disclosure, and I hope you know you take it the wrong, don't take this the wrong way. I had not known who you were or heard about you before your incredible run at this year's WSOP at the 2021 WSOP. So I'm sorry, but I'm also truly glad that we're going to get to rectify that today. I'm personally very eager to learn about you, your career, like you know. So many people had heard of you. Who is this Ryan Lang guy? And I know for a fact that so many folks in the Cards Chat community feel the same because, you know, 71 episodes in, we received more questions for you from the community than for any previous interviewee. So that's wow. pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So kudos to you. That's another you know, achievement right up there with the bracelet. Yeah. More questions. Uh, <laughs> so you started playing poker in high school, right? Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. And how did you first get into it? So I started playing with my hockey buddies um, in high school. Hockey was life. It was, you know, more important than school to me. Um, and they were my brothers. We were, you know, we were my closest friends. Um, and so we spent, you know, all of our time together. And uh, on weekends, we do road trips and we play poker on, on the, you know, on the coach bus on the way to our road trips and stuff. And, um, you know, it started out with like different card games, um, just like simple card games, not quite poker. And then uh, um, once, uh, you know, we started watching uh, poker on ESPN, we watched the, um, the Barconi uh, year, uh, right before the year before Moneymaker. And we started to play poker just based off of what we saw there. And like, I don't even think we were like, you know, completely uh, following the exact rules of Nolan and Hold'em until the moneymaker here. And then we, you know, we watched all that fantastic ESPN coverage and just fell in love with it. And then all of a sudden all the other card games went out the window and that's all we played. And then uh, my house just kind of became the uh, the place to, to play poker every weekend. People were coming over and um, yeah, we just have like little tournaments and stuff. It was a blast. So many people that we say, you know, we're products of the moneymaker boom. It's rare to hear, uh, you know, there's no, there was no Varconi boom. Was that, was right. it like you envisioned yourself also getting your head shaved or something like that? <laughs> like, Phil, how, like, what was it about that year's coverage that drew you in? I think it was, it was just a coincidence that we happened to start playing cards around that time. And then, you know, one of us was probably up late, you know, it's like ESPN at 3am when they're showing, 
you know, all the random stuff. They used to have like darts and stuff, uh, you know, the, the kind of stuff that like people aren't watching is not, nothing during like primetime stuff. And I remember seeing um, poker and I thought, okay, this is interesting. And, and I, I watched it. I, um, and, you know, just because we had been playing cards, I, I was fascinated. I said, Hey guys, why don't we try this game? This is what the, this is the world championships, the world series. This is the game they play. Like let's, let's give this game a, a try. And so we kind of threw it into the mix and, and then uh, yeah, then obviously the moneymaker year was a, a much bigger boom. And then, uh, and we have more and more friends uh, getting into it from there. Pretty cool. Well, you said that, uh, you know, your your hockey teammates, they were your brothers, you traveled, you know, around with them. Did you have, like, aspirations to, like, one day maybe be a, a professional hockey player? Yeah, actually, my whole childhood, it was, wow. um, yeah, I mean, we. Uh, so I played at the, the highest uh, level of, of youth hockey that you could play. Um, so we were traveling, you know, all around the United States and Canada, um, and it was very, very competitive. and. Um, it was, it, it's, it's, that level is meant as sort of a, um, a training ground for people to, to move forward, whether it's to play college or play juniors. Uh, and then, you know, obviously everyone's dream is to, is to play professionally play in the NHL. So pretty much anyone that I was playing with or against at the time, uh, had aspirations to, uh, to play in the NHL one day. It's not like the, the mighty Ducks, nothing like that. No, no, uh, no, this was the real no, it was, yeah, it was very serious, very competitive. So, I mean, so many folks, I mean, I know I'm much more fan personal of basketball than hockey, but I know, okay, obviously there's plenty of folks who don't get into the NBA, but they can still play professionally in other leagues around the world. Did you kind of say to yourself, well, if NHL isn't for me, maybe I'll, maybe I'll go play in like Finland or Russia or something like that? No, for me, I kind of stopped wanting to uh, make my whole life hockey around mm-hmm. like like towards like maybe sophomore, junior year in high school. Um, I loved it. It was a lot of fun, but the work that you had to put in to make it to the NHL to just to get into, you know, to, to a D one school play college hockey was tough enough. And I didn't like spending time in the gym. Um, I was more interested in using my brain and I, that's when I started to get fascinated with poker and, um, yeah, I just, I was kind of burnt out with hockey, all the traveling, all the, like, it was just a little too serious for me at, you know, starting at such a young age. And, um, I decided, uh, my senior year that, that, that I would, uh, I'd be done with it. We had a, a great team, um, a great bunch of friends and, uh, it was, you know, I, I just decided I don't want to play beyond this. You know, I've had my fun in hockey. I would have to devote my entire life to it. And I was just a lot more interested in other things at the time. Poker being one of them. Sure. Do you still play kind of like for fun, pick up games, recreational yeah. today? Yeah. Uh, oh, t- so actually, yeah, I just got started. I took almost 10 years off, maybe oh, wow. maybe more than 10 years where I hadn't uh, hadn't been on the ice and wow. actually just bought myself uh, all new hockey equipment nice. and um, got on the ice uh, about a week ago for the first time. Is it the wobbly knees? Does it feel the same? It was rough. Uh, <laughs> my, my feet hurt. They're not oh. used to... Uh, uh, carrying that much weight on the ice, okay, okay. Uh, and yeah, my lungs uh, weren't uh, weren't so great. I was I was getting tired pretty quickly, but uh, after about an hour, uh, things started to feel normal again. It just felt like uh, like I had, you know like I had been skating uh, all these years, so um, cool. it felt really nice. It was like a very like nostalgic feeling, nice. felt like some like old uh, you know neurological pathways in my brain had like reconnected or like you know returned on and uh so yeah i'm I'm loving that i'm gonna start doing that um a little bit more these days just uh just as a means to 
to exercise, try and get in shape and uh, have, have fun doing it. And I hope you, uh, you know, you make some more uh, good friends doing it. You know, it's obviously not there alone on the ice. So that sounds yeah. like it could be a, a nice uh, outlet, you know, away from yep. the film. Yeah. Very cool. All right. So well, you said you got more into poker. I know your dad kind of played an integral component in that and you were playing online. Can you sort of tell us about, you know, getting more into it, that sort of stage of, of the beginning of your career? Yeah. So, you know, we, when we were playing with friends, it still got very competitive because we're all super, we were all super competitive uh, people. And, um, you know, I wanted to be the best, uh, just like any, any game that I learn, I want to, you know, I want to compete. I want to be better than my opponents. And, um, my dad and I were always very competitive, no matter what we did. And I mean, still to this day, like he, you know, he hasn't golfed in like 10 years and he just moved down to Phoenix from Chicago. So, um, he's just taken up golf. And I mean, the trash talk between us is, is just too funny. So he's going to, you know, we have all these golf bets and stuff now, like all these like golf future bets. I have to lay them like 20 strokes. It's absurd, but we're just, <laughs> we're always so competitive no matter what we do. So he was, you know, he would play poker with us. Um, him and I would play heads up. If he would, you know, he'd tell me like, Oh, I have to go mow the lawn. Or I have to go pick up the dog poop. I'd say, well, how about I play you heads up for it? And then, you know, we, we'd play each other heads up for whether or not I had to do chores and uh, right. yeah. And then he, uh, he deposited something like 30 bucks on uh, a poker stars account and we started playing like, you know, just like $1 tournaments, um, play. And before that we'd been playing like all the free rolls and stuff. So we'd sit there and we'd play, we'd chat, we'd like discuss the game a little bit. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was a nice, uh, fun little, uh, there was some bonding and, and some competition between us. That's pretty cool. I mean, so I, I, I mean, when you, when you got into, it, you said, you know, you wanted to kind of master the game. Between that and sort of what you know, what you saw on television with Varconi, with Moneymaker, was that the point already at the beginning when you're sitting with your dad, say, "Hey, maybe I can make a career out of this and do this for a living," or was it just sort of a little bit more pure at that point? Um, no, I'd say right away I hmm. thought this could be something. Um, I don't think my parents ever thought that it was something realistic, and I think I always kind of kept it like far enough away where it's like still just sort of a pipe dream, like, oh, this would be neat. I could be a right. professional poker player, but I kind of always thought that I would probably go to college and find something else more realistic and poker would be something that, you know, I had fun doing. Um, but I actually, so uh, my parents having just moved, found all this old stuff that they had to go through and they found an old um, project, my senior year in high school, where we had, there was a, I forget what the, I forget what the class was, but um, basically we had to, um, give our sort of goals and projections for the future. And I had this like whole funny thing. I had this thing where like it, you know, I had this recording of me playing poker and like winning, uh, world series, you know, the world series of poker, winning, winning the main event, wow. um, did this whole little bit. Uh, and it's, so it's all written down in a notebook. It's really funny. I completely forgot about it, but so apparently, yeah, as a senior in high school, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was a pretty big goal of mine. Um, whether, whether I thought it was super realistic or not at that point is another story, but right. yeah, it was definitely well, a goal. So, so that's pretty cool. I mean, like the fact is you said you bonded with your dad over it. It's something you both have a passion for, you know, you know between him and your mom, when you did say, and when it became clear that this is the path that you're going to be taking, how did they react? I mean, it's a bit unconventional. Um, you know, because I don't think there was necessarily a moment where that happened. It was more of like a gradual slide. Mm -hmm. um, they knew I was, I mean, obviously they, you know, they knew I was playing in high school. They had fun with it. They, they didn't mind. Um, 
And then when I went to college, um, they didn't know that I was skipping class to drive out to Indian casinos uh-huh. in California. Uh, and I would, you know, we would, me and some buddies would go play, we'd go play one, two, we'd either, you know, win a, win a thousand or, or go broke and come back. Right. And um, I'm still at yeah, that so, stage. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so most of us are, I think. <laughs> well, and that, you know, I learned some, some tough lessons in those mm-hmm. days. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, it was around then, I think, that they realized that, like, I, I wasn't wanting to, I didn't find anything in college that I wanted to do. Um, my parents were paying for school. I was, you know, very fortunate to have them, uh, you know, paying my tuition and not have to take out student loans. And after a year at Arizona State of, you know, playing more poker and partying more than uh, than going to school, I just thought, you know, this isn't responsible. I can't spend their money when I'm, you know, I don't have any educational goals at the moment. I don't, I, I had no idea what I wanted to do. If I wanted, you know, what degree, I didn't even know what major I, I wanted to, right, right. to study. So um, yeah, at that point I decided I would, uh, I'd come home and I was, I, so I dropped out of ASU. I still took a couple of classes at a community college uh, back in Illinois, but I still, kind of, still just like, just kind of lost, just didn't really have any aspirations um, in school at the time. And I loved poker. And that's when I got a job dealing poker uh, with a, a charity company. So they, they go and do hold these little poker tournaments and, and cash games uh, all around um, uh, the Northwest suburbs of Illinois. And um, so basically I was just like a volunteer dealer, worked on tips. And so I could deal poker as often as I wanted or as little as I wanted. I didn't have to show up. I could, I could go and deal and I could save up a little bit of money and then I could go play. And that's what I did for a while. I would deal poker for a few weeks, save up some money, play with that money, go broke, deal again. And the whole time it was like a learning process. As I was dealing, I was learning about the game. Um, and yeah, so it was, it was fun. It was, it was a good way for me to, to really kind of immerse myself in poker. And then eventually it got to a point where, um, you know, I, I got good enough to where I just didn't have to deal anymore. And, and then, uh, then it just kind of took off from there. I mean, poker can be a pretty lonely pursuit almost by definition. You know, did you, you know, try to actively look for other people who were sort of in the same boat? Did you try to find, you know, people to bounce hands off of and strategy at that point? Or were you really just like the, the lone wolf strategy? No, I definitely found some friends. Uh, and I mean, I, th- there's no way I could have ever improved um, to the, the points that I needed to improve to uh, at many different points in my career uh, without friends. Um, that's the number one thing for me when, when people ask, you know, well, what's the, what, what should I do to, to get better at poker? Get a group of friends and study together, bounce hands off of each other, share study tools, share information. Um, you know, poker is a, it's a zero sum game and it's an individual game. We don't, it's not, a, we don't have any like team poker tournaments or anything like that. I mean, well, very few. Um, so, so intuitively it kind of makes sense to go off on your own and, um, and just sort of be competitive and, and not let people in. And uh, I think that that's, um, that's a big mistake. Um, and I think the, I think the best thing you can do is find friends, uh, friends who are better than you, friends who have the same aspirations as you. And um, that's what I did. That's what I did when I was uh, dealing and playing at those charity games. 
I got to know some very good players. Um, and they, they liked me as a dealer. I was, you know, it's a very good dealer. I was, you know, a friendly dealer and, um, was always wanted to sit and chat poker, um, at the table, whether I was dealing or, you know, before or after game or whether I was playing. And so, uh, from there, I, I kind of met the best players who played at those charity games and became friends with them. And then we all just kind of, uh, bounce off of each other, learn from each other and, and grew from there. Well, cool. I mean, in case any of them may be listening, any shout outs? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give, uh, my, my, my good friend, uh, Rusty Chizewski, uh, he, I met him, uh, I used to deal poker to him and I used to think, oh, you know, he's really good. Uh, we wound up uh, becoming very close friends. In fact, um, he, uh, uh, he married my fiance's best friend. Wow. So, and they introduced us. So they, you know, they had been together for a while and, uh, they, they hooked us up and, and now, um, uh, I just got engaged to Nikki. Uh, you know, just a few days ago. Oh, wow. um, so, okay, congrats. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, I got to give him a shout out because uh, he was there through it all. Uh, we live together in Vegas, Chicago, Costa Rica, and Canada. And wow. um, the so towards the end of uh, uh, rooming with him and playing poker, he was uh, starting law school. And so now he's a full-time lawyer. And, um, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's a dad now he's, he's living the family life and has a, has a good career. So, uh, we just kind of went opposite paths, but yeah. you made your main close. Yeah. That's cool. And uh, just for clarification, Rusty, Rusty Chachewski, Robbie Straczynski, not the same guy, both uh, <laughs> Polish roots, but just in, in case anyone's listening that closely, um, you mentioned Costa Rica, uh, a lot of folks back in those days, they went to Costa Rica specifically to play online uh when you were you know focused more on online play at poker stars you achieved supernova elite uh something it's like you know climbing everest a lot of you know here okay i did it uh not a lot of people got to experience such a thing or get to experience such a thing um what was that like um you know you know not just reaching the mountaintop but like the process to get there i mean you really have to put in the work and the time yeah, I mean, it is, it's such a grind. Um, and that was for me, the, those were the best. I mean, it, it was definitely the the biggest struggle in my career where, mm-hmm. where the three, three years getting Supernova Elite, just the hardest thing that I've ever done um, in terms of, uh, you know, in, in poker. Um, but also my most kind of formative years. Um, I look back at those years fondly now, just, you know, just the, the struggle and everything. I, I, a part of me misses it. Um, but man, it was so tough. And if, you know, if you want to compare it to climbing a mountain, um, or to climbing Everest, uh, then I decided to wait until the weather was as bad as possible to climb Everest. Cause <laughs> I would, I would put off, uh, the bulk of the volume until the end of the year. Um, wow. I was, you know, a bit of a procrastinator. I always have been. And so, you know, October, November, December, where I always had to play, uh, a lot of volume, you know, a lot of 12 hour days or more 20 tables at a time. And the games are tough towards the end of the year because all the supernova elites are doing that. So it's, it's tough to find soft games. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the experience was, it was a big struggle, but it it forced me to put in the hours and um, forced me to study, forced me to um, analyze my play. And that's when I started using HUDs and, started talking to other players, like, like very, like well-established pros, um, and getting, uh, getting coaching. It was the first time I actually had like an official coach, 
Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting experience. Very, very tough. Um, uh, but worth it. I mean, I think it, you know, I don't think I'd be here today if it wasn't for, uh, for those years. We'll definitely uh, talk a little bit about coaching soon. That's a little later on in the questionnaire. Uh, but about that online period of time, like you said, it was uh, extremely tough to achieve supernova elite. Besides getting to that status, were there any particular high points of your online career? Any big wins or, you know, heck, even big folds or, you know, moments where you're like, you know, you look back and you're supremely proud of yourself? Um, not really. I mean, the... The biggest achievement in, during those years was specifically the full grind of Supernova Elite. It's putting in the hours. You know, it's 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 not like playing MTTs where you can like grind hard, but you get one big win right. and that'll make your whole year. Um, so it was just a days in, days out grind, and I think just overall, just just learning like from from where I started my you know year one in supernova elite to where i was when i came out the other end i was just such a better player um i think i think i was a lot more proud of um just the the overall work that it that i had to put in um to to survive supernova elite um you know i had a few mtt scores here and there but i wasn't really playing a lot of mtt so i mean maybe i had like a 20k score and that really helps boost the bankroll and just makes you feel like, okay, now I can play some higher stakes sit and goes that way I can play less tables, but then you play the higher stakes sit and goes and they're tougher and your ROI drops. So it's like, you know, and then you go back down to the lower stakes and you got to play more tables. And um, yeah, I mean, it was really just the, the whole grind. Um, every, every year that I achieved it, it would always be right around New Year's Eve. And I would always celebrate by, um, you know, maybe buying a nice bottle of scotch or rewarding myself somehow um because that whole the whole year is just such a tough grind and to finally just be like oh i made it um is a is a really nice feeling so why did you transition out to live poker then um the online grind i knew wasn't going to be permanent for me it felt like a nice way to make money off of rake back while learning and then um i mean and those fields were so so tough um the what year are we talking just for context? 2012, 13, and then 15, I think. Sure, sure. So a very uh, European heavy fields also. Yes, very yeah. European heavy fields. Um, a lot of these players that were playing these sit-and-goes wound up becoming um, absolute crushers. Uh, some of the, you know, they're, all, they're like part of the, you know, like the German high roller crew now. Um, I mean, these guys were so, so good. They were working really hard and working together and studying together. And so to have to, to compete with them, uh, you know, to be able to compete with them, um, you know, it was, it was interesting because like I, you know, when I started Supernova Elite, I probably wasn't the kind of, I probably wouldn't be able to crush live poker uh, year one. And then by the time I came out, I didn't realize how much I had improved until I went back to live poker. Mm -hmm. And then I realized I, I, after three years of battling with these, you know, these tough young pros right. who are better, better than me and working harder than me, smarter than me. Now I come out the other end and all of a sudden it's like live poker. You see these people making mistakes that like, you just don't see online. And it was, it was almost like, like, I just kind of like exhaled, like, Oh man, <laughs> this is like, what a relief. Right. Like poker is easy here. I can just, I can play live poker. I can play less hands. I can relax. And, and it was nice to not have to make money off of the volume that you're playing and actually focus on winning. 
rather than just playing, you know, with Supernova Elite, obviously you want to win as much as possible, mm -hmm. but if you break even, you're making a ton of money. So right. Like, right. it was nice to kind of transition away from, uh, you know, the rake back grind to, okay, let's try and make some money. And, and, just win. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you think about the game differently, you know, and I'm like, it's weird. It's almost like playing, like I, I play a lot of chess these days mm -hmm. and I play a lot of, um, very fast. I play bullet chess. So it's like one minute games oh, wow. and I'm just acting so quickly. And then every now and then I'll slow down. I'll play a 30 minute game. And it's like, I get to slow down. I see the board differently. And I get to like, think of these like moves, like, you know, many moves ahead. And, yeah. and it's, it's, it's a whole different game. And that's sort of how I felt coming off of online and go, jumping into live poker. It was like this whole new way of looking at poker and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it and just fell in love with it. You find more joy in one over the other or you kind of still enjoy both for, for whatever they give you? I certainly enjoy both very much. Um, I still love playing online, but there's nothing better than being deep in a live poker tournament. I'm I being deep in a... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I highly recommend it. There you go. Okay. <laughs> I mean, being deep in a, a you know a live World Series event, like a bracelet event, and you know there's you know three, four tables left, and the adrenaline gets going, and yeah. I mean you can just feel it. Like there's there's a moment where everyone just starts to really just kind of bear down, and some people tighten up, and you know you, you just see people looking at that clock, and they, the final table is not that far off, and and now all of a sudden it's like your bluffs get through more, you get to steal more. And it's, uh, it's, it's such a, I don't know. I love that feeling for me. That's, that's when poker is fun. That's when I'm just like in that moment, that competitive moment where things are on the line and it's, you know, everything's on the line. It's, it's it, for me, there's nothing more fun than that. Awesome. It's, it's always great to hear someone who, you know, not just playing professionally, making a living from it, but also definitely enjoys the game oh. itself and the success. That, that's a really cool thing to hear. Um, you said, you know, part, part of competing with the, you know, the Germans who had each other and stuff, you utilized coaching uh, and, and, and you tried to, I was kind of wondering, like, why did you choose sort of that avenue? Like, these days we've got like so many training sites. Um, how did you choose? How do you say, okay, I'm going to go one-on-one -on -one with someone that's right for me. And, and how do you know who to choose uh, in a circumstance like that? So I had, I had used all the training sites. I was always uh, on training sites, watching videos. Um, but yeah, when I was, um, when I first started doing Supernova Elite, um, I just started noticing some of these players just having uh, just, you know, graphs that just went straight up. Like they never had swings and they, and I'm just wondering like, who are these guys? Like, why are they so good? Are they just math geniuses or what? And a lot of them would have, blogs and stuff and you could reach out to them and so i was just always curious i was always curious what the best players were doing and i i try and reach out to people i try and get in contact with people and um yeah just slowly made some friends who were you know very good very competitive and then uh, I, met, I met one friend um, dom zito who we worked together uh, for a supernova elite coaching site uh, but he was just one of the biggest sit and go winners uh in the games that i was playing he was just one of the absolute best. And um, uh, I noticed he was doing coaching. So I hit him up. I said, Hey, I'm a supernova elite. Like I, you know, I'm basically break even, um, you know, can you help me uh, uh, improve? And so he took me on as a student and then we just started doing these one-on-one -on -one sessions and it was, 
yeah, it was better than than anything for me because you really get, you know, you can watch all the all these videos that you want, and that, you know, not to take away from those, but it's it's nice to have someone looking at your game, seeing everything that you're doing wrong because you could, you know, you might watch all these like big pots and these big hands and figure things out, but you might have this tiny leak where like, oh, you're opening too wide here, you're not opening enough here. Um, where it's just a very small thing that's going to affect your ROI long-term. Um, but it's hard to kind of pick up those mistakes. So, so I think it's important to, uh, to do some one-on-one coaching for, for those kind of things. I'm sure, you know, all of us want to win. You know, we, we all enjoy the game. We all want to play. And I'm sure there's so many folks out there who say, okay, you know, I really want to go ahead and take my game to the next level. And, you know, again, frankly, these days, there's just so many ways and options to do that. At what point, would you say that folks like that should move from just sort of the generic training sites that are, you know, kind of like can't necessarily focus on on the specific of the individual and say, okay, maybe you should consider one-on-one coaching. What, what What's that, you know, that point that person reaches? Well, I think it really depends on, uh, on what they want uh, out of poker. Um, mm. But if they're, if they're looking to improve and they, and they want to, look inwards at their own game. Um, yeah, I think, I think they, you know, I think that they should do that right away. Like if that, if that's something like if you're a person who just decides, Hey, like I want to get better at poker for whatever reason, you don't have to be a pro. Maybe you want to be the best at your home game. You know, maybe you just want to improve a little bit. Um, uh, you know, like I said before, I think, you know, the first thing is get a group of friends, start a little group chat where you all post hands, um, where you can all bounce ideas off of each other. Um, and there are communities that do this. There are, you know, training sites and training communities that have these big discord groups where you can do that. Um, but you can also kind of branch off into smaller groups. Um, but yeah, I think, I think um, can, I don't but I think that even on uh, the cards chat forums, there may be a couple threads like that also. So check oh, it out, awesome. Guys. Yeah, I think so. Awesome. <laughs> Go ahead. That's, that's perfect. And what, it, and that's just, that's a great place to start, like get in there, do that. And then like, you know, maybe if you have a few people that you constantly see in there that, seem knowledgeable and stuff, start picking their brain. And I mean, maybe, you know, find someone who's, you know, you, you don't have to find the, you know, you don't need to, you don't need the best poker player in the world to be your coach. If you're just starting out. Right. Like if you're, if you're a chess player and you're you know, you have a, a 1000 uh, ELO ranking, you don't need a Magnus Carlson to coach you. You need somebody who's like a 1500 to coach you and, and to, you know, to teach you, uh, the areas that you are lacking to, to improve, uh, you know, the, just the next step. So, um, yeah, I would, I would just maybe look towards people who are maybe the next step or two uh, ahead of you in whatever your uh, personal goal, goals are in per- poker. And then, um, yeah, just reach out to some people, find a, find a friend to chat with, find a coach. Like some, some pretty solid advice. And now, now we get to, you know, understand where that all that solid advice comes from. You know, we're not results oriented, but can't help look at these amazing results uh, you've got on your hand in mob. You've got WSOP caches going back to 2011, but it was in 2017. That's when you kind of really started making some significant waves in the series. Uh, you finished, I'm just checking my notes here, runner up in a 1500, no limit event. And then you went on a Fantastic run in the main event. You finished 41st uh, out of what must have been like, got to be like seven, close to 7,000 players. 7,000, yeah. Yeah. So, so what is a run like that? I mean, again, it's something that not too many of us get to experience, but uh, you made it to, I guess that's day seven, day six. I don't remember, but yeah, six or seven. Yeah. So yeah. does that, 
I mean, besides, you know, running well, you know, like, like that, everyone says, you got to have some run good there. What does a run like that do to you? Does it sort of change a little bit of your perspective on the game or the way you play, or it's just like, that was fun? Um, I actually think my perspective of the game changed leading up to it um, and, and sort of caused my, you know, just gave me the ability to, to make a run like that. Um, it probably, ha- you know, and it probably started just with the, you know, I had been having success um, leading up to that. And then obviously the second place finish was huge. Um, and I just knew I had a ton of confidence in my game um, combining everything that I am, I had learned from playing online. And now um, my live skills were really starting to, uh, to improve, I've been working with um, Chance Corneth a lot uh, with uh, Chip Leader Coaching. You know, all those guys over there. That was a fantastic community for me. And um, yeah, I think I just went into that that World Series. I mean, I I I go into every main event thinking I can win this. Like to be honest, like I I, I do it. Yeah. Like um, I mean, you're, you're plunking down ten thousand dollars. You know, it's not a lottery ticket. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean. Things, things went well for me, but, you know, I really felt like I, you know, I had played my best uh, up until that point. Like, you know, I really like my live reads were on. Uh, I was I was passing on close spots. I made some big hero folds some big hero calls. Um, and yeah, I mean, I had the confidence going into it. So, um, you know, afterwards, you know, I, I felt fairly vindicated, but not really. I, I just kind of felt like like, yeah, that should happen. A deep run in the main should happen every few years. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it didn't, it didn't surprise me one bit. Um, but in the moment, man, what an experience. So much fun. Just doesn't feel real. And it's just, oh, it's so intense. You take us back to that. Any, any particular, I mean, like, like, again, it's day six or seven, like you say, you know, every night, you know, after you finish playing, you bag up, you go to sleep, you wake up the next day. They tell us about those feelings. I mean, I, I have trouble waking up in the morning. So uh, I, I have I have a hard time going to bed. I'm, I'm a terrible sleeper. Uh, but then once I fall asleep, I, I hate waking up. So waking me up early in the morning for something is awful. Every day during the main event, I, my alarm goes off and I'm jumping out of bed. I'm ready to like, you know, I'm just so pumped. Um, no, I mean, the feeling was amazing. And I, I'm, I'm always like that with the main event. I still feel like um, I still feel like a, like a, a little kid. You know, I like, like just so excited. Um, it gets the butterflies going and, um, yeah, I mean, if you can get into day three, even like you get into day three with chips, um, and then it's on, you know, and yeah. then it's, it's just, um, and you know, you just try and stay in the zone, stay focused, stay sharp. Um, the thing that's so great about that tournament is you can take a beat and just keep moving forward. You can run bad for two hours and keep moving forward. It's such a deep, long structure, um, so yeah, I mean that tournament, I mean, no specific hands or anything that, um, that really, I mean, there, you know, there are a few just sick hero calls and stuff that I made that I, you know, I love that like really got me going, but I think just the overall feeling of just like being sharp and focused and in the zone and just realizing what you're playing for. And like, it's like, wow, whole, you know, holy cow, there's 150 players left. Like this is real. Yeah. There's a hundred players left. There's 80 players left. It's, it's just like, it's getting closer and closer. And it's, you know, you just like all of a sudden it starts to feel real. Like, wow, I can final table this thing. Right. And um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing like it. And uh, I, that's one, one of my big goals in poker um, 
is to final table that tournament. And, I, and I'm confident that I will at some point if I keep playing poker for a living, which, you know, I'm, I'm not certain if I, if I will or how long I will. But if I do, uh, I'm very confident that if uh, if I keep up with uh, the work that I'm putting in, um, that I will uh, I'll final table that tournament at least once. Well, well, after that year, you know, you got to 41st in, in 2017. You talk about final tables the following year. You made a couple of them uh, in 2018, and you had your first bracelet win in the 1500 No Limit Bounty event. So, you know, then then you really do again, like like Supernova Elite. You get to the mountaintop. What's that like? Yeah, uh, I mean that was awesome. That was uh, again just sort of like vindicating um, uh, an amazing experience because. I had gotten second the year before and obviously I'd run deep in the main as well. Like we were just talking about, but it was really the second place that, you know, I, I just realized like, look, if I, if I can get heads up, why can't I win one? I can win one of these tournaments. And um, yeah, I mean, after a second place and a deep run in the main coming back the following year, I just had all the confidence in the world. And um, I just brought my best every tournament. I, I do that during the world series. I really get up for the world series. Um, I prepare for it months ahead of time and it's uh you know it, it's like no other time in poker i mean i know a lot of people who just grind year round and the world series is just another series for them and yes it might be more value than whatever wpt is going on or something like that but they kind of treat it as just another part of the year and for me there's there's nothing like it so um i i just put like extra effort extra focus into being prepared for that block of schedule. And, um, you know, I play a lot less volume throughout the rest of the year. Um, I try and get myself um, mentally prepared for the World Series. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I just started, you know, I had been doing that. I did that in 2017. Um, I came back, did it in 2018. And, uh, and yeah, every, really every year since. So. I'm, I'm curious to use the particular phrase that, you know, kind of like made my eyes open. They said months ahead of time. So yeah. I, you know, we're taught right now we're at the end of January and you know, this will be, uh, everyone will see this February. So, you know, in a, in a sense, we are kind of months away from the next WSOP. So, you know, at some point you say, okay, you know, like the, the diet begins today kind of a thing. What, what does that, yeah. you know, what does that look like that preparation that you start doing? So I, so I, I played the, uh, the 10 K Bellagio, the five diamond, um, after the world series, that's the only poker I've played since the world series. I haven't played any wow. poker since then. Um, I, I've taken a break. I'm doing some other stuff. Um, and I will, so the world series, let's, you know, it starts end of May. Yep. Let's call it June. Um, I will probably, you know, I'll, when the schedule comes out, I get excited. I'll take a look at the schedule. I have my eye on a few events. Um, and then, you know, maybe I'll just start thinking, okay, well, where do I need to improve? What, what games do I need to improve? Um, what fields, you know, are there certain events that look really good? Like whether it's a mixed game event that I feel confident in or something, um, you know, is there something that I want to get better at because the fields are smaller and the chances of winning a bracelet are better? Do I want to work on my no limit? Do I feel sharp with no limit? Um, so I'll probably start in April or maybe even March. I'll start, you know, I, I can start like a, like a sort of a, a, a gradual prep where like, you know, I'll start playing some mixed games. I'll start studying mixed games and just kind of get a refresher going. Um, and then I usually go down to Mexico to play scoop or up to Canada. I'll play some scoop events because, you know, you're playing against the best in the world. Um, and so it's, it's good to see what some of these 
players are doing in the high stakes um, no limit hold'em tournaments and the mixed games as well. Um, so I'll go battle it out and scoop a little bit. And, um, and that's, it, that's really, it's, it's as much as I'd be thrilled to win a scoop, I'm not going, my goal isn't really, Oh, I'm going to make money. Um, it's not to not make money, but it is WSP preparation oriented. It's, it's kind of an educational type thing or, or a prep type thing, if you will. Um, and then I, if I hadn't already been working on my health, I'll start doing that. Um, during the World Series, you know, I'm eating All-American Dave, trying to be healthier. Um, I'll be working out, trying to lose some weight um, going into the World Series. And uh, I'd like to be better at that. That's something that I'm trying to start now instead of just, a, you know, a month or two ahead of time. There you go. Um, but then I also want to get my mind right and um, prepare for long days. Um, I'll I'll start meditating if I haven't been. Um, this year I played a lot of chess, like specifically trying to play chess for long hours without getting tilted. Or if I would get tilted, like I force myself to play through it. Um, and then I'm also going to play online and get myself just like make sure my no limit game feels sharp um, and study in areas that, you know, whether I feel like I'm a little rusty or, or if there's something I feel like I can work on, I'm going to study those areas and, and talk to people who are, who are good in certain areas that I may be lacking. And then right before the world series, um, my, I almost said my girlfriend, my fiance, and I will, uh, we'll take a, a road trip and just clear our minds. Nice. And it's, it'll be a very nature oriented road trip. Uh, we did the Pacific Northwest. Uh, well, no, we, we drove up to Portland. Uh, we didn't go all the way, uh, uh, up to Seattle or anything, but, um, yeah, we, we drove up, uh, through Oregon, uh, hit the ocean, you know, hit the beach. Um, and just like, it just had a nice, relaxing, enjoyable, just mind clearing trip. And so we've done Utah in the past. We've done Zion national park, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I just try and that, that, and that's like the last week before the world series where I'll just clear my head, no poker, no nothing. And then day one of the world series, that's it. It's, WSOP time. It's, it's the, um, it's just all that I'm focusing on. I'm very lucky to have someone in my life who understands that. And, um, and you know, she's great. She takes care of the dogs during that time a lot more than I do because she knows I'm just, you know, I'm gone 12 hours a day. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, an all or nothing kind of thing for me. Uh, shout out to, to Nikki there uh, and to the yeah. dogs, of course. Um, you know, it's funny. Like, I, I love that you went into such detail. You know, again, we're not supposed to be results in oriented, but, you know, that's a lot I think that folks can take away from that. You know, it's the mindset of a poker professional. And, you know, yeah, what does it take to approach day one with that sort of, you know, you can't just you know, list the goals and hope that it happens, but like, what do you actually actively do to, you know, make those goals happen to the best of your ability. Hell, you know, we see exactly, like I said, you know, you popped onto my radar this time, two bracelets, a second place finish uh, in the 50K PPC. Uh, you know, now, you know, we're a couple months beyond that, you know, that's in the rear view mirror. What do you take away from uh, seeing the results? Uh, thankfully, all that stuff kind of paid off and, you know, and, and, it, and it was amazing series for you. Yeah. I, I mean, um, I was thrilled with the results. I know I, I've known that I've had a series like that in me. Um, and I, I, I would always be thrilled to have, uh, that exact series, right. Uh, you know, uh, two, two bracelets. If you count the online one as the same, uh, in the same series, 
uh, two second places. Uh, but I still want to improve on it. Um, World Series Player of the Year has been a goal of mine for a while. And I knew that I would have to get, learn mixed games, get better at mixed games. Um, so that's a, that's a long-term goal of mine. So coming into this next World Series, I mean, I want to improve on it. I want to do better than I did this year. So Cool. Well, I mean, you said uh, you talk about mixed games. I mean, it's no it's no secret, uh, you know, for folks who've been longtime listeners of this podcast. Uh, I love mixed games as well. Where do you sort of feel that you're at on the skill games spectrum at this point, uh, you know, now that you've started really putting in the effort to, to improve? That's, I mean, that's tough. Um, it really depends. It's it, game by game. Certain games I feel very confident in. Others I feel like, I'm still just a complete noob. Um, the one thing I have a lot of confidence in is my ability in tournaments. So you could take, um, you know, a PLO cash game player who's just going to crush me in PLO cash, right? If we play heads up PLO cash or we play full ring or six max, whatever it is, over the long run, they're just always going to have better results uh, than I will. Sure. In a tournament, I feel more confident that, like, I, I think... I would rather have myself in a tournament than them. Um, and I, I just think there's a certain ability to know when to kind of pump the brakes, when to get aggressive, um, when to risk chips, when, you know, how, how to avoid risking chips when you don't have to um, in, in tournaments that's, that's fairly unique. Um, you know, I just had a friend, call me last night asking about a, a cash game hand in a, a two five game. And I told him how I'd play it. And then I realized that might be terrible in a cash game, but it really <laughs> works in a tournament for this reason, because I'm considering my tournament life. Um, right. And I think, um, so I just think tournament strategy is something where I just feel very, very confident with. And um, so I think any, any game, um, if it's in a tournament setting and, you know, ICM comes into play. Um, I think that really helps me out. You know, I think it helps level the playing field for me. Would you say, you know, someone who does want to get a little bit more into mixed games, that they should nonetheless just focus on generic sort of tournament skills? Or, you know, is there something specific that folks could do to improve their mixed game play beyond just sort of like getting the reps in? Um, yeah, so, and and that would again apply to, you know, whatever they want for me, I'm learning mixed games so that I can apply them to tournaments. Okay. I'm not looking to play mixed cash games. Um, mm -hmm. One day, maybe I will. Um, so if you're, you know, obviously like if you're looking to play mixed cash games, you're going to take a sort of a different approach um, than I would. But I think just in general, um, there are plenty of study tools out there. Um, Dylan Lindy's book was fantastic. Mastering mixed games. Yeah. Um, there's the the upswing course was great. Jay Lama's upswing course was fantastic. Yeah. I loved that. Um, and for me, you know, going back to my roots of you know being friends with the right people and you know chatting with with uh, friends who are just you know very knowledgeable. I'm very lucky to you know I'm in this uh, little gamer chat where we play all these um, just these little like text games um, with uh, a whole bunch of fantastic poker players and yeah. uh, and some non poker players. And I've made some friends through that group that also happen to be fantastic mixed game players. Um, Oasis Ahmed, um, Benny Glazier. Um, I mean, those guys are two of the best in the yeah. world of mixed game players. 
And, and like, we're, we're good friends uh, just in life, like outside of poker, um, which is nice. And, and like, so if I start talking mixed games, they're right there to like, you know, Hey, no, no, no. You like, you're doing this wrong. You're doing that wrong. Um, Oasis is actually the one who convinced me to sell for the 50 K. I never thought I would play that tournament. I mean, I, I had a long-term goal to play that tournament and uh, I didn't, I, I thought no way I would play it this year. Um, I won the, the eight game mixed and he hit me up and said, Hey, you have to sell. Like, you want an eight game tournament. You, you know, you should be playing that 50 K. And I thought no way. And I sold out like in like 30 minutes or something like that after posting on Twitter, I uh -huh. couldn't believe it. So um, he was uh, kind enough to um, go over some stuff and recommend some books um, on the games that I felt uh, weaker in. And uh, yeah, so, you know, kind of the same advice as, as you would with anything with Nolan and Hold'em, get out there, find the resources. The resources are everywhere, Yeah, you know, in this day and age, you know, um, but yeah, get out there, find the resources and just study, put in the time and, and learn. We did uh, shout out to, to, to Dylan Lindy and Benny Glazer. I will just point out, Dylan was episode number 49. If you guys want to go back and listen to that one. Uh, and Benny was actually the episode right before this one, uh, episode number 70. Uh, so uh, plenty, oh, of awesome. great, yeah, plenty of great mixed game talk. If you guys want to, you know, it, it's not necessarily a book or, you know, you may not learn the, the, the nuts and bolts, but uh, some good mixed game strategy if anyone wants to go back and listen to those episodes. Uh, Ryan, it's time to talk about that decision. Uh, I'm sure you know which one we're talking about. Why did you decide to invest in Dogecoin? <laughs> I actually did invest in Dogecoin. I, and I did very early and I got out way too early. <laughs> that, that's good. I'm, <laughs> I'm assuming we're gonna talk about a, a, a fold. Yes. Well, well, not exactly. <laughs> Let, let's talk briefly just about that hand with uh, the uh, jungle man, Dan Cates. Uh, by now, guys, you know, if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, just go to YouTube, watch the hand. I mean, and we can sit here and talk all the or, strategy. Or don't. Angle. Or don't. Or don't. don't. Maybe <laughs> don't go watch that hand. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm trying to have it scrubbed from the internet. There you go. Good luck. And I petition the uh, the poker go powers that be. Um, but I, I don't. I don't. Me personally, and I don't know if the audience necessarily sees any value in, you know, analyzing, you know, the, the nuts and bolts of that hand, but I kind of want to know sort of, you know, in retrospect now, what has that hand taught you, not just about poker, but kind of about life? I mean, that's something that it's an experience that sticks with you. You know, so many people, no matter what they do, you know, they're known for something. And, you know, you've been questioned ad infinitum about this sort of thing, just sort of like... Maybe after the fact, now a couple months have gone by again. How, how do you reflect on that experience as a whole and, and how have you perhaps grown from it? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing that I take from it is um, I'm, I'm kind of proud that I'm not afraid to look stupid. Um, and that's something that is huge in not just in poker, but in improving at anything. Um, you have to look silly, right? Anything that you want to become great at, um, you just can't be afraid to look silly. And um the thing is in poker, um, and one of, one of my friends said this, uh, actually, my, my closest friend said, um, you know, when you make these big hero calls and big hero folds, um, you know, you're really, you're, you're flying close to the sun. Sometimes you fly a little too close to the sun. Right. You have to do it. You're not always going to be right. So, I mean, if jungle has two pair there, people are saying, wow, how did, how did Lang make that fold? Yeah. You know, uh, 
it, I'm, I'm, I don't feel, I don't ever look back on it and think, why didn't I just call? Um, I am, I'm proud that I was there in the first place to make the decision. Um, I understand my thought process. I understand maybe why I made the mistake, um, why I was so kind of mentally fatigued and maybe why I didn't slow down and just come to the conclusion that, Hey, it's only a half a bet. Like I thought it was a full bet. Right. Right. Um, but even if it is a full bet, you know, I should just call there, but, um, no, I mean, I, I understand what I was thinking in the moment. Um, I thought that he should never raise with worse than my hand and, um, that he could never be bluffing. Like he can never have bluffs there. I just didn't think he would take a hand like King Queen and, and raise for value. I thought he would just call there and save a bet um, to try to um, spin it up. If uh, you know, if I if I did happen to have him beat, and um, so that's what I was thinking. And I don't think that that thought is too far out of line. Um, I think I was getting something like eleven or twelve to one, and um, in my mind, he wouldn't have worse um, one out of twelve times. I didn't think he'd have it one out of fifty times. So. Um, that's what I was thinking at the time. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of happy that I turned it into uh, a learning opportunity um, for other people. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll grow from, from it. I will, uh, um, you know, but then again, I might, if I'm put in the same spot next year, if I think it's right to fold, I'll make the fold. You know, I've made crazy plays in my career. I've made crazy bluffs crazy hero calls, crazy hero folds. Um, I think that they, that overall they add value to my game. Um, I'm more often right than I am wrong. And in the biggest moment of my career, I was wrong. Oh, well, doesn't bother me. I'll move on from it. I'll learn all, all the credit in the world to jungle man. I mean, he's so good. He's, he's such a genius. And that's like, that wasn't even, I mean, he, he beat me up for like two days straight in that tournament. That wasn't, it, it wasn't even just that hand. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, it didn't, uh, it didn't get to me. It doesn't, it, I don't look back and think, Oh, I wish I would have done something different. I'm thrilled with the the year that I had with the result that I had and thrilled with where I am now and what I can do moving forward. So, um, yeah, just, just have to learn from it. And that, that's a pretty great attitude. And I think, uh, you know, if I told you right now, if I knew the future and said, hey, you know, you'll be at the final table again at 50K PPC, you'd be pretty happy about it. That's my guess. I, yeah, <laughs> I would be thrilled. I'd be thrilled with second place. There you go. You know? <laughs> uh, just to change gears just a little bit, get a last couple questions of mine in before we move to the community questions. Uh, one question we always like to ask our guests here, uh, you know, the friendliest poker podcast in town. Who is the friendliest or are the friendliest players you've had the pleasure of competing with uh, and against at the felt, right? Oh, the friendliest. Uh, well, we were just talking about him, Dylan Lindy. Uh, everybody loves him. He's yeah. such a sweetheart. Um, we've actually uh, gotten to watch his dog when he, uh, oh. when, when they go out of town twice, uh, River, who is, I mean, I just love River, uh, adorable dog. Um He's one that just always pops up. Like everybody loves Dylan. I love if I like sit down next to Dylan. Like it sucks because he's fantastic at poker, but I'm thrilled. I want to sit and chat with him. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see who else friendliest. Um, I mean, Ryan the Plant is one of my best friends. Um, he's obviously a super friendly guy. Chance Corneth, everybody loves him. He's he's super super nice. Always very friendly. Um, 
And uh, yeah, he's someone who really helped my career quite a, quite a lot um, in, uh, you know, just getting coaching from him. Um, yeah. So I those three. I feel like I'm missing someone and, I, and I'm going to think about it after the interview and I'm going to feel bad that I forgot to, to mention <laughs> Well, stand out to that person too. So, there you go. Uh, and you know, you did mention Ryan again. I got to point it out. You know, episode thirty-three. He was on the podcast before. And not only that, Ryan is also uh, you know works intently with Cards Chat. Uh, I believe he's a Cards Chat ambassador as well. Um, how about away from the felt? You know, besides uh, perhaps uh, the dogs and you know going on long walks on the beach in Oregon. Uh, any other? And I guess you know recreational ice hockey. Any sort of other stuff you do to during your downtime away from the felt? Yeah. So, uh, during the pandemic, I started golfing and oh. I got obsessed with it. So, uh, I hadn't golfed a whole lot yet, um, this year, uh, or this season, I guess you would call it, uh, you know, it's, it's perfect time to golf now in Vegas, nice and cool. Um, and, uh, I think I'm going to hit it pretty hard over the next few months, but yeah, I love, I love golfing. Um, spending time with my dogs, uh, Nikki and I are uh, looking to buy a house soon. Um, I like playing tennis, um, and pickleball. I used to play a lot of pickleball with, uh, uh, you know, all the poker players who play, I played a bunch with Berkey and, and that whole crew. Um, so yeah, I, I could stand to get, uh, back into, to all of that. I was spending a decent amount of time in the gym, uh, leading up to the world series. And then, uh, since the world series, I haven't done anything. So, uh, getting back in the gym would be a nice, uh, a nice thing to do, but yeah, it was something that I was spending my time doing a little bit. Cool. It's always good to know, uh, you know, the Ryan that we don't see necessarily uh, on camera. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, thanks to my uh, trusty research squad, James Guell, shout out to you, uh, discovered a very interesting nugget, Ryan. Apparently you don't like most movies about gambling and you don't like rounders. How are you even allowed to play poker? I know, right? I mean, I, I don't want to say that I don't like rounders. It's fine. It's a, it's fine. That's it. I mean, it's so overrated in the poker community. Um, it's just an okay movie. Um, I, I don't know. You know, I, I watched uh, Casino Royale, the, the James Bond movie, the other day. And that poker scene is just so absurd. Every, yeah, every gambling scene, it's just you know the royal flush first, the straight flush first quads. Like, come on. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm a, script something differently if you were creating a gambling movie. I would make it just a little more realistic. I try and show the intricacies of um, the thought process that we all go through when we think about hands. I try to um, display that um, subjectively to an audience that maybe doesn't understand poker. Um, I would try to. Um, highlight the work ethic that goes into poker, um, and it's actually something that I want to do. I am I'm very interested in film and I, um, and writing, and it's something that I'm kind of experimenting with right now. It hasn't really taken hold as far as like something that, you know, whether it's whether I know I want to commit to it, but it is it is a possibility. Um, so I actually do have um, a screenplay that I'm working on that uh, it it involves poker. It's about a poker player, but it's more about their life and what they go through, and less about the poker. Um, but for me, I'm I am uh, I'm a film snob. Uh, any of my friends who you know, if you ask them about me in film, uh, they're going to say I'm pretentious, and uh, and and I own it. Uh, like so, um, you know, I totally get it. I get why people love rounders. Um, for me, I just uh, it's just it just doesn't do it for me. Fair take. Okay, I, I admire the honesty. Um, 
Last question from me. You know, you're still, I would say, you know, as much as you've done in poker, relatively early on uh, in your career, there's so many more great years potentially uh, ahead of you. Is legacy something you ever sort of think about, you know, kind of leaving your mark in the game? And, and if so, what would you like that to be? Hmm. That's interesting. Um, it hasn't been such a big thing for me, although, I mean, I love the allure of the bracelet. I love, you know, you know, I, I get it with like Phil Helmuth chasing bracelets, uh, Sean Deeb saying that he can, he can beat Phil Helmuth uh, one day. I love it. And like going for player of the year, all of that. I, I think I must care somewhat because, you know, player of the year, who cares about the, you know, what, I don't even know what first, I think first place gets like 25 K. If you win player of the year, you're winning, you know, a million dollars plus like who, who cares about that 25 at that point you get the banner, you get the banner. and there yeah you i would you know i have i have friends who are you know up on the walls at the rio mm. uh, which you know will now be um uh Valley's Valley's Paris. Paris, right yeah. um yeah so i i think i must um subconsciously care about it because i would love to have my banner uh up there for for player of the year um i you know i i don't have any kids yet i think uh if i did i think maybe i would care a little bit more uh about my about legacy but you know, when all said and done, um, all that I really care about is, you know, the people, uh, you know, the people that I respect, the, you know, my colleagues, that they um, appreciate the work that I put in and the effort that I gave. And um, and then I tried to make it fun, that I tried to be fun at the table. I mean, I'm, I'm somewhat of an introverted person, but I, you know, I really do think it's important to have fun at the poker table. Um even when things get really serious, um, you know, I don't care if you're playing for a million bucks at a final table. Um, I think it should always be fun. And um, yeah, so I hope uh, people view me in that way as someone who who worked hard, had fun and enjoyed it. Because, I mean, if we're not enjoying poker, why are we doing it? Legit, legit answer. And I would uh, venture to say that folks in the Cards Chat community already do see you in that light. Like I said in the intro, you know, you've got more questions submitted for you uh, than anyone else uh, we've had on the podcast until now. This is the segment of the show where we turn to our Cards Chat community, to you guys, uh, to see what questions you wanted to ask our guests. And again, we do have a dedicated thread on the Cards Chat forums for this. So as we announce who the future guests will be, Please be sure to send in your questions. And the first ones come from Chica Bonita. Thank you so much for sending this one in. Uh, Ryan, Chica Bonita wants to know, uh, do you go to tournaments alone or are you accompanied by one of your friends or relatives? Who supports you? Do your relatives root for you? Uh, yeah, so as far as uh, going to tournaments, I so I live here in Vegas and I don't travel a whole lot for tournaments. Um, when I do travel, it's... Uh, it could be alone. It could be with friends. It depends who's going. Um, and yeah, my family, uh, they're my biggest supporters. Um, my mom, uh, my dad, my, my mother-in-law, uh, Ilana, she was, she was just out here. Um, I actually used to deal poker to her before I met Nikki. Wow. So when I was doing, when I was dealing at those charity events, she, she would play one, two and two, five. And uh, I, I met her before Nikki. So she loves poker. Um, so yeah, she's, she's one of my biggest fans. So uh, yeah, the, the three of them, um, and then uh, my best friend Matt uh, as well is just uh, always really interested. In him and his wife Julia. Um, so yeah, they're my biggest fans, um, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's great. To, they always show up when uh, when I make a final table, so it's awesome to have them uh, on the rail. 
pretty cool. When you got your mother-in-law in your corner, you know, it's a good spot to be in. Yeah. <laughs> That's very cool. Um, Pirate Glenn, thank you so much for sending these in. Pirate Glenn wants to know, Ryan, of your three bracelets and four rings, are there any of those wins that stand out for you in terms of memorable moments or particularly great plays you made en route? Ooh, memorable moments are great plays. Um, I mean, the first bracelet sticks out massively. That's That for me was just such a defining moment in my career. Um, as far as great plays, I mean, I've made so many of them. It's just so hard to distinguish. No, <laughs> uh, no, there was, I mean, there was never any like one great play. It's, it's always just kind of been more of like a consistency. Like, you know, thinking about my first bracelet, I, you know, I just, I thought of one hand where I like flatted with aces versus uh, an under the gun open in a spot where um, it wound up, you know, paying off huge. I it busted a player, like, got me the chip lead heading into like six or seven handed. And that it kind of like boosted me into, um, uh, into a position where I could really um, kind of crush the final six, five, four moving forward. And I got myself um, uh, heads up. So, I mean, I there's, but that hand is not even that interesting. It's kind of, it's a hand that like, you know, where I just, I just flatted aces and just trapped. And I mean, we've all done it. we we do it on day one of a tournament or, you know, a few hours into an online tournament. It's just like, oh, we win a nice pot, but it just happened to be one that, that boosted me. But yeah, I mean, aside from that, I mean, nothing, no like massive hands or anything where I thought like, oh man, like what a crazy play I made that, you know, that got me the win. It's more just like staying focused and playing well all the way through. That's fair. Uh, and Pirate Glenn also wants to know, with today's current online poker market, so many high-value tournaments available to play, how do you decide which ones to fire off in? So I don't play on any of the unregulated sites. Um, I Enough people have been burned. I, I know of cheating going on. I know of people multi-accounting. Um, so I only play on WSOP.com. I live here in Vegas. It's the only site I can play on. Uh, I, I'm excited for the prospect of, um, new companies entering the market and, um, more States entering the market and I'll play on whatever sites become available that are, you know, regulated and, and trustworthy. Um, but yeah, for me, I mostly just play the, uh, online circuit events on WSOP and the, uh, online bracelet events because they, they attract so many more recreational players and there's just more money, uh, a lot more money up top, plus uh, plus a ring and a bracelet. And, you know, I love I love the accolades. I'm a sucker for the, the jewelry. I want the rings and the bracelets. So, um, yeah, I just, I, I choose those tournaments. But, yeah, I mean, I know there's a ton of other great value tournaments on other sites. And that's, uh, that's kind of something that, you know, each player just has to kind of decide for themselves what kind of risks they're willing to take, what kind of sites they want to play on. So, yeah. Answer. I mean, I'm also a sucker for a ring and a bracelet, but it's one to just be one and not have any. And, you know, some, someone who's got his hands full of jewelry. Um, Shells, thank you so much for submitting this question. Um, which is your favorite NHL hockey team? Oh, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, without a doubt. It's not even close. Um, I grew up. Uh, so I grew up in Illinois, but I the Blackhawks weren't my favorite team. I liked different teams at different points. Uh, in my childhood, I loved Doug Gilmore and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Then I loved Mike Madonna and the Dallas Stars. Uh, I, I loved the Florida Panthers for a while. Um, it was really more about like 
liking certain players, but I never felt like I had a, a home team of my own. So I never liked the Blackhawks. Um, I was always a bit of a con- contrarian when I was a kid. I didn't like Chicago sports teams um, because all my friends did. And uh, my family is from the East Coast. Uh, I was born in uh, New Hampshire, so I, I liked a lot of the Boston sports teams. But with the with the NHL, I never had a team of my own. And the Vegas Golden Knights uh, became a team the year I moved to Vegas, and I fell in love with them. There is nothing like a Vegas Golden Knights playoff game. The atmosphere, I mean, you would think Las Vegas wouldn't isn't wouldn't be like a hockey town. I mean, you get it. You're in that rate. Like the intensity is unbelievable. Like this city loves our hockey team. And, um, you know, it, it feels like you're up in Canada when you're watching a game, the, the, the passion of, of these local fans. So, uh, Vegas golden Knights far and away. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I decided I'm, I'm going to be a Vegas home fan for every sport. And I'm trying, I'm trying with the Raiders. I'm trying, but it's, and it's not even that they don't win. It's just like, they're hard to love. It doesn't feel like our team and the Vegas golden Knights mm-hmm. just, that feels like my team. So like it. Yeah. Golden At least Knights. we have a very nice Knights stadium go. though. Allegiant Legion stadium. Yeah. But, yeah. but uh, no, I have not yet had the pleasure, but I, I keep on hearing that about that uh, electric atmosphere. So maybe oh, next yeah. time I'll, I'll check it out. Oh yeah. So okay. good. Um, and one more from shells. Uh, what's something you have been meaning to try, but just haven't gotten around to Interesting. Yeah, we've got some good questions this year, this week. This week. Um, that's that's really tough. What is something I want to try? I mean, give you a time bank chip. It's okay. You know, I can think of a few things where, like, you know, like I always wanted to skydive, but that's just not going to happen now that I'm getting older. Um, yeah. So you know, something that I've that I want to try that I haven't yet done. There's, there's two things. And I, I work on both of these things when I take my time off and, and neither have like really stuck yet. That's, that's a uh, start a business uh, and B um, write a film. And so I'll, I'll say the one, the thing that I want to do the most that I, I mean, I have technically started trying, but like something I haven't completed. Uh, I would like to write a film. I'd like to write a full script uh, and, and, and yeah, try to eventually uh, get something on uh, TV or, or in theaters. That's pretty cool. Hollywood, Hollywood producers, if you're listening, we've got uh, you know, a star ready to be born here. So, <laughs> um, Crystals, thank you so much for submitting this. Another hockey question. Who was your favorite hockey player growing up? Uh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of touched on that. It was Doug Gilmore for a bit, then Mike Madonna. Um but hey, I was I was number nine for Mike Madonna, so I was always number nine growing up. So I'll I'll say if I could only pick one, it was Mike Madonna. He was you know the best uh, American uh, born hockey player. So, um, and the next one, oh, okay, you also kind of touched on this, but I'm I'm curious though the specific answer from Crystals. Um, all of your big wins have come in the U.S. Have you ever had the desire to play internationally in some of the big series? And if so, what's the first, where's the first place you'd like to play? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of my, one of the favorite cities that I've, that I've been to, I went to uh, Melbourne to play in the Aussie millions. And I, I still have, I have 10 hundred, hundred dollar chips from Crown Casino, somewhere, somewhere here in my office, on my desk. Um, 
And so I was running late leaving and I thought, I loved it here so much. I'll keep these chips. And I, so I know I have to go back and then COVID. Um, so yeah, that would be my number one place. Um, just, I I love the city so much and it, uh, it coincides with, um, the Australian open tennis tournament. And I love, I love tennis. So I went, I saw Nadal play Djokovic in the finals that year. Um, that was, that was awesome. So yeah, that's, that's probably the number one place that I want to go back to. Um, I had also planned on going to Barcelona for the poker stars PSPC. Yeah. That's the one. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so we had, we had an awesome trip planned for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to go, so it was going to be Ryan LaPlante and his fiance and Mickey and I, and a few other friends. And we were going to go, we were going to fly into Germany and then just take um, trains down oh, cool. and just enjoy different countries, spend two wow. weeks getting down to Barcelona. And then we were going to play the tournament. Um, so that's another one that's, that's just up there. If, uh, if that tournament runs, uh, yeah, I'll definitely play that. I certainly hope it runs. And I like also the consistency there, you know, similar to before the World Series, like clear your head, uh, that kind of thing going into yeah. the series so you can optimally perform. Very cool. Yeah. Um, Pocket Ace 222. Thank you very much. It's a name I haven't seen before. Thank you for submitting this question. Um, Ryan, Pocket Ace wants to know. Oh, it's a, okay. It's a cool, uh, instructive question. What is the best thing to do? When you're going through a long losing streak, I'm losing a lot lately and I'll cash, but min cash, and then I'll lose six more tournaments than min cash. Um, I would spend more time studying. So let's say you're spending, um, you know, one fifth of your time studying and four fifths playing. Uh, I would go down, I'd, I'd study one third and play two thirds. Um, take some time away from the felt, lower your stakes, um, whether it's tournament buy-ins or cash games, drop down in stakes, um, get some confidence going, um, take some time away from the game, do some stuff to clear your head. Uh, a lot of times you can get in these kind of mental funks where, you know, you kind of expect to lose and you're not feeling confident and you're not playing your best. So, um, yeah, get, uh, clear your head, spend some time studying, you know, hit the books and, and lower the stakes. Solid advice there. Uh, I can, not that I'm a professional, but I can confirm that that does tend to work. And no, he doesn't always have it. Just letting you guys know, he doesn't always have it. <laughs> um, final uh, submitter of questions here, Acid Burn FX. Thank you so much for sending these in. Uh, always ask some great questions, sometimes from right field, uh, the more creative questions. So uh, to end off the show, Ryan, if you could dedicate your life to solving what problem, what problem would you choose? Wow. Uh, okay. So I think there are some easy answers here uh, and I'm going to skip those obviously like world <laughs> hunger, stuff like that. I'm going to skip those as much as I would love to solve those. Uh, I would say um, just death in general. I, I'm, I'm fascinated by life extension and the possibility of um, eternal life on earth. Uh, I think it's uh, it's science fiction at this point. Um, but I'm super fascinated by it. Um, fascinated by uh, these guys like uh, Ray Kurzweil and um, Aubrey de Grey, uh, who believe that uh, the first person to live to be 500 years old is alive today. I don't know if they are right. I mean, it's uh, it's certainly uh, at this point, like I said, it's science fiction. Uh, but yeah, I, I would uh, I would try and solve that problem. Um, uh, just I, I think uh, you know I, I'm fascinated by. Um, 
you know, long-term evolution of our species, the potential that we have. When I think about the universe, when I look up at the stars and, and, and you just realize how many different civilizations there must be out there um, and think of a, a, you know, think about how advanced we are now and think about where we could be in a million years. And, uh, and I think that one of those things is, um, is conquering death and uh, becoming a, an immortal species. So that would be the thing if I could, if I had the power to, to work on something, change something, that would be it. Making me want to rewatch uh, Bicentennial Man, a great movie with Robin Williams. Uh, yep. Again, see that. Um, two more, uh, also from Acid Burn FX. Again, biggies here. We got to end off uh, with the the haymakers. If you could go back in time to change one thing, what would it be? I, you know, I don't. The easy answer is to just call with the Jungle Man hand, uh, but I'm going to. Uh, <laughs> Basic. Well played. Well played. <laughs> um, you know, I don't. I don't like the idea of messing with uh, with time, with the space time continuum. I'm too afraid. I go back in time and I fix one thing, and then we have World War Three. Um, but no. So I, I would probably uh, go back and uh, and and just be closer to uh, to the loved ones that have lost over the years. Um, you know, to to those that. Uh, I've lost, um, you know, by whether, you know, uh, uh, younger ages, I would go back and try and stop it. Right. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, and final question. What one thing could you not go a day without and why? That's tough. Cause I, you know, I want to say something like my dogs, but I, I you know, I do spend time away with them. Um, You know, I don't know. One thing I couldn't go a day without. I don't know. You know, I don't think there's anything in my life that I, I haven't, you know, been able to take a day off of. Um, I guess just, uh, just you know, having the um, the love from my my friends and family. Uh, I guess if I if I couldn't have that, I mean, I, I don't necessarily have to speak to them every day. But if, uh, if I didn't have uh, my friends and family and their support, if I went a day without having that, just, no, you know, maybe just uh, not knowing that that, uh, that it exists, that would be pretty rough. That's actually it's a, a pretty beautiful note uh, on which to end this, uh, this conversation. I want to say thanks so much to everyone who sent in questions for Ryan Lang. And again, a friendly reminder to all of you out there in the Cards Chat community. We'd love to see you submit your questions for our future podcast guests in the dedicated thread on the forums. Please be sure to give us a good review on iTunes and spread the word via your social media accounts if you liked the show. Ryan, before we let you go, is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience? Um, no, just thanks for listening. Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah. if. Uh, uh, go go adopt a, a dog go adopt a pet there you go there you go thanks again so much ryan thank you all for tuning in once again to another episode of the cards chat podcast i'm robbie straczynski you can follow me on twitter at card player life i wish you all a wonderful day cards chat the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community <laughs>